This is Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute. Welcome to the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. We're joined today by Representative Mark Bourne, co-chair of the Joint Finance Committee. Representative, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So um, we just heard the governor's budget address on the 15th, and that is the official start of the budget season. Now, before we get into the specifics of the governor's plans, why don't we start off with just your impressions of the governor's speech? Well, um, it was disappointing, but not surprising. You know, it was just more of the same stuff from this governor. Um, He, you know talks a good game for a few months about, um, you know, wanting to collaborate. Um, but it's really not any different. It's the same reckless spending, you know, same massive policy changes, same growing government, same tax increases. You know, it, it, it should be surprising. It's kind of sad that it's not to us anymore to see a governor asking for more than a billion dollars in tax increases in the same speech where he's touting how great the financial position in Wisconsin is, you know, the best ever. And yet he still needs to go out and take more and more and more from the taxpayers. It's, it's, it's really disappointing. Yeah. I mean, there were quite a few like just bizarre aspects of the speech, I guess, you know, and you, you just touched on it there. I mean, he talks about, the staping and the best financial situation has ever been in, in its entire history. And, you know, I think everybody, at least, uh, you know, on the Republican side of the room was thinking, well, of course, you know, it's, you know, and he's done everything, you know, and yes, governor, we are, and you've done everything you can to undermine that. But, you know, just the idea of starting off, you know, a political speech by bragging about your opposition's accomplishments. That was the first thing that struck me. Yeah, it's weird. And then it's also, I think, odd, like I was just saying about the tax increases, to then introduce a budget that works against everything we've done. Like, we're in this great position because of Republican-led budgets that have cut taxes, made the state a better place to do business, invested in infrastructure, priorities like that. And so we know what works like this isn't a question that we don't have an answer to. We've seen for several budgets now what we can do to put the state in a better position, to put businesses and families in a better position to succeed here in Wisconsin. And his budget then does all of the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and in terms of like the specific policies that he that he throws in there, um, you know, leading up to the budget, I mean, this is getting a little bit, you know, behind the veil a little bit because, I, you know, the general public doesn't see all the press releases that the governor puts out. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the couple of weeks leading up to the budget, you're getting press release after press release of I'm going to put all this money into this. I'm going to, you know, have this policy. I'm going to push that policy. And then we get to the speech and it, it starts off with, you know, a bang, you know, where he talks about the greatest position we've ever been in. And then he gets into like kind of. You know, his proposal, and it was really just vague, light on details. He'd even talk about, like, half of, like, the really, like, big, uh, you know, big priorities that he was, you know, kind of, like, um, teasing in these press releases. They're just, it really was a weird speech in that, you know, there just wasn't a lot there. Yeah, I agree. And again, and some of it he repeated twice because he said some of the same things just a few weeks before that in the State of the State address as well. But again, with no details, just, you know, it's 
it's the year of mental health and I'm going to spend a lot of money is, is, well, what does that mean? And, and then he puts out press releases leading up to it about initiatives, um, you know, just kind of drops it like a, a bomb with no leadership on the funding for the Brewers stadium with, you know, no explanation, no bipartisan work like governor Walker did back on the buck on the bucks arena and then doesn't even mention it in his speech. Like, Oh, I took care of that on Monday with my just throwing something out there like a hand grenade and no, no leadership or, or words are necessary in any way. Now let's instead talk about how we can raise taxes or expand welfare again. Cause those are two of my favorite things to do. Yeah. That's, you know, and just like, getting away from just like the the ideology behind all of it i mean just a good political speech like what you would expect from any governor is hey the brewers i i might be able to get a couple claps out of the other side of the room if i throw this one out there i mean we didn't right. even get that <laughs> or to sell your stuff a little bit like if it's so if these ideas are so great well then sell them don't just throw them out there with a talking point but it's just everything's always so shallow with this governor there's no um there's no detail, there's no leadership, and it's just the same liberal wish list. Um, basically, retread everything, do it again. I mean, the only difference really between this budget and his prior two is everything's getting bigger. He's just spending, which we thought was, which it was, it was you know, reckless and unsustainable in prior budget requests. This one's even bigger, if the, if you can imagine that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I. Br- at McIver, we break these things down, you know, several different ways. Um, I, I'm sure, you, you know, the the average Wisconsin resident, you know, you start talking about all funds and GPR, and, you know, it kind of, you know, their eyes probably glaze over at that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I start, you know, I look at just in terms of just, you know, looking at the overall budget, if you include everything that, you know, all the money the state gets, all the federal money, all the state taxpayer money, I mean, that alone, he wants to increase spending by over 17% from the last budget. If you look at just what the state taxpayers, you know, pay, uh, general purpose revenue, we're talking an over 22% increase from the last budget. I mean, these are, I mean, you can't, yeah. you, you, they're always talking about inflation, you know, we aren't keeping up with inflation. I mean, that's blo- that's leaving inflation in the rearview mirror. No. And it's driving inflation, you know, as, as we know, I mean, part of what's driving our inflation now has been all this reckless federal spending for the last couple of years. And Governor Evers just wants to join that group. And like I said, it's it's the same stuff as his last budget request, but it's on steroids now, because I know last time I remember, I think he was between nine and 10 percent of an increase. And we thought, holy cow, that's that's crazy. That's like, you know, more than double what it should be. Well, We'd take that now, right? I mean, compared to 17% all funds and 23 GPR, it's like, wow, maybe nine is modest for this governor now. We didn't know it at the time, but um, the numbers are just getting wild. And, and even the the raw numbers, I mean, he's he's clearing $100 billion all funds in, in a two-year budget, 103, I think. Um, um, actually, almost 104. Mm-hmm. 103.8, I think I saw. Yeah. And... Uh, you know that's incredible from from 87 to well 89 with debt in this last one it's still a huge number 89 billion dollars is a lot of money to be spending over two years um but to be pushing that now in in one budget up over um 100 billion you know billion with a b we always want to make sure that folks because i think a lot of people think we say million 
sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand. Uh, like you said, it's hard for a lot of folks to keep up with this because the numbers are so big and climbing so fast. It's, it's hard to believe. Yeah. And there's no, I mean, he's not shy either about, you know, busting that hundred billion dollar mark. I mean, he, he must have known that, you know, hey, that's going to be an easy target for my opposition. But, you know, there was just no no hesitancy at all. I mean, you know, like we're, like we're saying, I mean, it not only did he exceed $100 billion, I mean, he went straight to $104 billion. I think for a far-left Democrat like Evers, which is really how he's been governing, it's they probably look at it as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't spend enough. Like, how much can we spend? Like, how how high can we get? with spending other people's money is basically their mission, I think, on, on budgets like this. Yeah, and, and the wish list is interesting, too, in that um, even like, like we've been talking, like you, you take an issue like the Brewers where you have some potential for bipartisanship, and even on those issues, there's just no no interest at all in, in trying to like build consensus. consensus. It's just here's my wish list, yeah. and I'm going to put everything on there that I can think of and I'm going to put the, you know, and I'm going to make it so unreasonable that, you know, the other side is just going to throw it all away and start from scratch, which you guys are doing. But there didn't seem to be any interest at all in trying to to work together on anything, even the things that you do agree on. Right. And that's and that's a real problem with that lack of leadership, because there are things that we either should or may need to address. And, you know, the brewers might be an example of that where there's there's almost no information out there and so the average person rightfully so looks at it and goes well why in the world would we give money to this billionaire owner for their stadium like they should you know just forget about that i'm just had this happen here this morning when i was out in town and and somebody said that to me and i said i agree i hear your concerns on that level but just you know here's a few other things to think about and you talk a little bit about you know the state owns the stadium through uh, the system that we created there so if if we don't have the brewers there what do we have so we should think about that you know we gather revenue from the players Um, we talked about that during the bucks thing that was a surprise to a lot of people the visiting players even when they come to play here have to pay state income tax from part of their salary for playing that day that's a real revenue stream that goes away so there's lots of different things to think about and talk about and to decide is this a good plan for the taxpayer is it a bad plan? Could it be a better plan? But again, just throw it out there. I'm going to give them almost $300 million done. Doesn't talk about what the state gets from that. Doesn't talk about you know, what the region gets from that. Doesn't talk about what we lose if things go differently. And doesn't approach it in a bipartisan way because, you know, this is a region, southeastern Wisconsin, that has heavy Democrat representation that's going to have to buy into this to, if it's going to work because the Republicans statewide are not going to carry all this water, just like the Bucks deal. So it's just completely devoid of reality, completely no leadership, and it's a real issue that needs an answer. Are we doing this? Are we not doing this? Why? Why not? What are the real issues? And there's just no ability for this governor to work on these things. Well, and his approach really does say a lot because, you know, like we're set, like we've been talking about, there are, there are, you know, and, and Robin even, you know, started off by saying, Hey, we agree on the topics. It's, you know, the solutions we don't agree on. Right. And the governor, I mean, by throwing out these, uh, his proposals and the way that he's doing, 
he's signaling that he's not interested at all in negotiating with you, and he just wants you to throw away his ideas. And by doing that, he knows that you're just going to do what you're going to do. So where you get areas like, you know, the brewers where you guys can work together and both come to an agreement that would be at least acceptable on both sides, he's going to end up with an agreement that's only acceptable to Republicans, and he can either veto it or, you know, just go with it. You know, same thing with issues that he really cares about public instruction. We know, I mean, right. it's, it's, I don't think I'm, you know, this is not going to be any great spoiler or anything that we know that this next budget is going to include more money for education than the last budget did. The, sure. governor, the governor wants a ton more money for education. The Republicans know there'll be a little bit more, but not, not, you know, but there's no room for negotiation. It's not like, hey, Republicans, this is what I want. This is what you want. Let's find some area of compromise. He's just saying, I'm going to throw this number out and, you know, you're going to reject it and you're going to give me whatever you're going to give me. It's just it makes it very clear to me that this isn't a this isn't a good faith budget. He's not actually interested in accomplishing anything. This is just about political points. That's exactly what it is. And that's why it's like I said, the same as the last two rounds. Just this one looks like it, you know has been eating more or took some steroids or something as it got bigger. But otherwise, it's the same stuff, different day. Um, how do I grow government? How do I raise taxes on people? Um, and he's even getting more creative on some of it. You know, he's creating new programs with new charges to business and stuff. So it's not just your basic raise property taxes, raise income tax. You know, he's raising sales tax in this one. He's letting, he wants to let a bunch of cities just have a new sales tax. Um, all that stuff is dead on arrival, of course. But no, not only just raise regular taxes, but how many different ways can I find to capture money from people? Um, and then the one that almost, if anything surprised me, it was the the new state agency, the new secretary for equity. Like, you know, it's not enough just to create new programs and grow government. I'm actually going to create in this budget, if I'm the governor, you know, which we're not doing, of course, I'm actually going to create a whole new state agency. It's, you know, and I, you see things like that, and I mean, you know that's not going to fly. Right. Um, he's just won re-election, so it's not even like trying to build that up for a campaign. It just, you know, I see stuff like that, and it's, I, I don't understand what the point is. I mean, I understand that, you know, it's people, you know, people that are on the extreme left see that, and they, they're really happy, but I don't know, does that translate into more donations, more more, you know, voter excitement, you know, 18 months from now? I just... It's, it's hard for me to understand what the purpose of putting a budget like out there other than making the statement that I refuse to work with the other side. I think that's most of it is just I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care what the other side thinks. And I'm going to do the things that I believe as a far left governor are important to me and, and my extreme left wing friends. And so that's what you get some of the stuff that you see in this budget. Um, you know, one last thing just about the, you know, the relationship with the governor's office. Um, you know, he typically, we, you know, the governor gives a speech. Um, I usually they, they give a copy of the speech to the media, you know, just before just before he, he gives it, you know, so that we can follow along. He didn't do that this time. Um, and it wasn't until after the speech had completely concluded that they even actually posted the proposal online. So, you know, first of all, I got to give you guys credit because you're, you had to react to a document that had been released for about five or 10 minutes when you had to address the media about it. 
But, you know, how, how, how does – and actually, you know, I guess that is the question. Is like how were you able to, like, just analyze it so quickly, you know, to kind of see what the heck, you know, he was proposing when, you know, he drops out, you know, like at the last minute like that? Yeah, there was a few things that, that I mean, make it possible to do that. But you're right, it was difficult. And uh, we certainly noticed, too, that which was highly unusual, not anything that we've seen governors, Republican or Democrat, do before. Um, to hold it um, so, so long um, like that to, to the speech was completely done. Usually at the latest, it comes out um, once the speech starts, you know, within minutes of it starting. Oftentimes, under Governor Walker, it would even come out, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before. Um, and Governor Doyle was the same. But so that was unusual. But one of the things that helped was, um, you know, he released so much of it leading up to it for 10 days probably <laughs> of you know it was just one thing after another so we were kind of to the point where okay well what what hasn't he talked about <laughs> you know the, the day of we we're kind of like okay we know what he's doing here you know that his education plan had been out for six months because he basically released it on the campaign and then the day of he re-released it and it, and it, it inched up a little bit i think it went from 2.4 to 2.6 or something like that a billion dollars, but it was pretty much the same thing you've been talking about for six months. So having all that, you know, that makes it a little easier. The other thing that makes it easier is like I said, it's, it's just a retread. It's just, everything's bigger, but he's doing the same stuff he's always done. So you kind of, you kind of almost give the same speech you gave four years ago in some ways, um, you know, afterwards. And then, um, yeah, we had five or 10 minutes. So staff could confirm the things like, 103.8 billion, you know, 18% increases, 23% general fund increases. So we had at least the high level data. It doesn't take too long to pull that together once they finally had um, the document, but certainly didn't have a lot of details because we didn't have any documents. And like you said earlier, you certainly didn't get any details from the speech. Yep. And, you know, and it's all a moot point anyway, really, because as we've been talking about, the way he's presented it, what, how he's presented, you know, everything that all the all the pieces of his proposal, he's made it so that it just is going to get thrown off to the side. And as everyone, as all the Republicans were saying at your press press conference after the speech, you're starting you're starting from base. So could you just talk a little bit about, you know, about that, how, you know, you know, how, you know, how this kind of become, you know, routine and, you know, how do we how do we go forward from here? Yeah, that is the routine, I guess. And uh, just like four years ago, because of the way this is built on sand is kind of the best way to put it with all these tax increases, the welfare expansion with, with Medicaid expansion and, and things like that, that he builds the whole budget on things like that that are just not going to happen. They're not realistic. So to try to for us to craft a budget then from that document is, is virtually impossible because it's just such a mess. Um, so the, the, the thing that's just best for the citizens of Wisconsin is to do what we did last time and work from base, which means we work from the current budget. So it's the budget that, um, is the most bipartisan way to start really, because we passed it two years ago or a year and a half ago and, and the governor signed it and so ran we on it. <laughs> yeah. And ran on it. Good point. Ran on a lot of it. Right. And, you know, that's what we've been living under here in Wisconsin for now a year and a half and for the next, you know, few months here until the budget ends uh, on June 30th. So we, we work from that and build then from there. And so 
that will be exactly it's exactly the same thing we did last time so from a process um, position for the joint finance committee as we craft this legislative budget it'll be much the same process as it was then starting from base which means all the policy is gone there will be a list of that um, you know we'll have um, basically the first three votes will be um, acknowledging all that policy that's being stripped um, setting the budget to base so current law and then um, there's a and then the next vote is something that's called standard budget adjustments and that's just things that um, need to be modified in the amount that we spend to be at current law because sometimes some costs go up and some go down but it's already law that we have to that we're doing it that way so we just automatically adjust it so we know exactly where we're at up or down current law and then we work from there to, to craft a budget that a in a time of surplus returns some money to the taxpayers um, especially in the time of inflation when we know they can use it and then invest in the priorities again like i mentioned before and you know, we talked already about education that'll certainly be one and, and some other infrastructure investments and and things along those lines so um in terms of priorities for this budget then we're talking about you know tax cuts and how do we do that because uh we, we um you know it's it seems like the Senate Republicans and the, and the Assembly Republicans have two different approaches to that, you know, flat tax versus, you know, kind of more open to other things. Um, and then um, education, obviously, is always going to be, you know, high on the priority list. Um, shared revenue is getting a lot of play this year and uh, transportation, as always. Um, what are what are like. What what is your approach to some of these issues? You know, especially like where you know you do have two different you know two different um, uh, approaches from you know the two chambers. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be that much different on them either. I think people are talking about a lot of different ideas. And as far as the flat tax, I think that there's consensus between the two caucuses that we want to work towards a flat tax. I mean, I think we need to do that to be more competitive in the Midwest with a lot of our neighboring states having a flat tax and a lower rate at that. Uh, it's just more of how we get there and how soon we can get there. I mean, I, I don't believe it's realistic in this budget that we will be at a flat tax, at least not at a rate low enough of where we should be. But much like our last couple of budgets, we can do things that build towards that. I mean, that's what we've been doing for several years now is we've been collapsing brackets and lowering brackets um, so we're, we're moving in that direction by a lot of the things we've already done on the income tax side. So I think we certainly will try to find ways to continue to work on that in this budget. Now, the governor has, as you know, he, and he's been talking about this since the campaign, he just wants to give a 10% tax cut to uh, just the middle class, middle and lower class. You know, when you run the numbers, um, it, it seems – you know, even if you're only making like say twenty five thousand dollars a year, under a ten percent income tax cut, you're still paying more taxes than the flat tax does. So, you know, these attempts that the governor's making to create like this class warfare thing about, you know, suck it to the rich. Um, my plan is just gonna take care of you and and screw them. Well, under his plan you're still paying more in income taxes than you would under a flat tax. Everybody is. So it's kind of like, hey, here's my plan where you're going to be paying more in income taxes, but suck it to the rich. 
it's really more just about his talking point for his class warfare on that. He really has no interest in tax cuts themselves, or more importantly, no interest in tax reform. Um, and that's the big difference, I think, is I mean, just looking at his budget. I mean, he still raises taxes. He cuts them for some folks over here and then raises them for everybody else everywhere else. And and like I said before, in a wide variety of ways. I mean, he, he's creating new programs to assess new fees on businesses. He's increasing sales taxes on people in certain parts of the state in large cities and as well as massive income tax increases in a variety of areas mostly focused on manufacturing and, and businesses so there is no tax policy it's basically a talking point that leads to rhetoric on like who he wants to attack and who he thinks he wants to help and as you pointed out he's not really helping anyone in that just misguided tax policy yeah and when you create policies that are this complicated obviously they're inconsistent but one of the things i always need to point out when it comes to a flat tax is despite governor evers attempts to make this a partisan issue this is a nonpartisan issue the closest state to us that has a flat tax is illinois and that is as deep blue as it gets and they've got a flat tax and they not only have a flat tax but they just, you know, reconfirmed that, yes, we not only have a flat tax, but we want to keep a flat tax. Some of the right. bluest states in the country have a flat tax. So you can't just say, hey, this is a conservative thing or this is a Republican thing. No, this is this has become a consistent. This is an American thing. This is a nonpartisan American thing. Which makes you wonder why the Democrats in Illinois can figure out tax policy that makes sense like that. But the Democrats in Wisconsin can't. And I, I don't know why that is. And you know, and it's brutal. But um, we, you know, depending on where you fall in on the, you know, how your taxes work out for a, for a number of people, it is you 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 are taxed more in Wisconsin than you are in Illinois, and that is especially the case with retirees. I know I've heard you know some Republican leadership on the radio over the past couple of days talking about retirees who flee Wisconsin. I've met retirees that simply just flee to the other side of the border. You know, they don't even just go, they don't go to Florida. They're just, they're in Northern Illinois because they, you know, because the taxes are, are, are better for them. Yeah, which is a real problem and which is why we need real tax reform. And we, we need to and will in this budget continue to build towards that because it's just the right policy for the state. So, um, after you guys take your initial votes, we're going to have our public hearings and we're going to have our committee votes. You know, what what is um, you know, what are kind of your 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 main expectations, your biggest expectations um, going forward from now until June or July, just to kind of, uh, you know, wrap up what we've been talking about here. Yeah, the expectations is, is you know, we're going to have to hit the big reset button and, and dump this budget proposal because it's just not realistic at all and do what we did last time and build a budget that works for all of Wisconsin with tax reform, tax cuts, investments and priorities. We'll work through that process like we have, um, uh, well, this will be the third time under this governor, and um, and we'll have a, bu a budget that um, I know the committee will be proud of, and I think a lot of people in Wisconsin will be as well, just as we have in the past. Sounds great. Well, Representative, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate um, being able to talk to you about, about these important issues. 
Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to do this. Again, that was Representative Mark Bourne from the Joint Finance Committee. I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. Mm-hmm.